This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Well, we want to welcome you to a very special edition of uh, Real Talk. A couple of pretty big deals joining us in the Real Talk studio today, including uh, Irshad Manji. Uh, in just one minute or less, in about a half an hour from now, Alberta Premier Danielle Smith will sit in that same seat, uh, taking your questions and ours. This on the eve of the Premier announcing her cabinet. It's going to be a different look. It's going to be a different vibe. Does this cabinet... Uh, Does this premier, after winning this election, have a different mandate than she perceived herself to have just a month or two ago? We've got a long list of things to cover, and we'll do our best to cover as much ground as possible. We thank you for joining us. You know you can hit us up in our live chat on YouTube anytime, and of course, use our hashtag RealTalkRJ as well to help drive that conversation. Before we jump into this, I want to give a quick shout out to financial advisors in Alberta. You probably don't need me to tell you that your insurance license is due for renewal at the end of this month, at the end of June. So if you still need continuing education credits, you're going to want to head over to businesscareercollege.com right now and sign up for their CE Drive podcast. Uh, Just $200 gets you an annual subscription that provides you with the continuing education credits, more than you could ever need. In fact, every single episode is packed with information that you can use in your business. So if you're a financial advisor and you're working in Alberta right now, make sure you take two seconds to check out businesscareercollege.com. Well, she's a world-renowned author and educator uh, described by virtually anybody who reads her work, who hears her talk as a brave voice. She is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Don't Label Me. Uh, She's here in Edmonton to speak as part of the Edmonton Public Library's forward-thinking speaker series, and we're thrilled that Professor Irshad Manji has made some time to join us in the Real Talk studio. It's not the first time we've chatted, no. but it's the first time we've hung out in person. Ryan, I could not uh, help myself. The moment I knew I was coming to Edmonton, Ryan Jesperson's name just sort of you know trickled off of my tongue. I've got to do the show again. Well, we so appreciate here we it, are. and but, here but we I, are. But I, but I have to call you out on something. Do it. So like when you were announcing just a moment ago, you know, we've got a couple of big deals on today's show. <laughs> yeah, sure. And you looked at me and then you smirked <laughs> as if I'm a joke to you. <laughs> no. What is that about? I smirked because <laughs> you smirked. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was just playing it cool. Like from the minute that you walked in here, you were just playing it so cool. And you're just, you're, you're pretty like for, for the, uh, for the energy that you bring to a room yeah. and you know exactly what I'm talking sure. about. Cause sure. if you have that tool in your toolkit, you know it. But it's not a tool for me. I genuinely love oh, great sure. conversation. I don't mean to say it cynically, okay. but I just mean you, like yeah. me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like our next guest too. We can't help ourselves, yeah, right? That's we, true. People might say you laugh too loud, or you dominated that conversation. <laughs> well, or you, you do. Did, well, we do. No, you do. Well, that's true. Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> but you roll in, you know, kind of casual, kind of chill. We've been having a coffee, and 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 uh, I asked you to save a story for the 
Mm-hmm. Cameras on, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it sounds to me like I know you're not alone in this. Yeah. We can commiserate together, but yeah, you had yeah, a bit yeah. of a nightmare getting to Alberta's capital city over the oh, past, what 24 hours. God, so listen to this. First of all, let me just say that I think uh, it would be wise for Air Canada to adopt a new motto. Okay, we're not happy till you're not happy. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, this was the very first time in my years and years and years of traveling the world that I actually had to go to two different airports to get one flight. So there I am at one of the New York area airports, ready to board to Toronto in order to catch the connecting flight to Edmonton. Uh, some operational issue, it'll be 30 minutes, three hours later, uh, they cancel the flight. Okay, now... Um, I know I've got to be on Jesperson first thing in the morning. How in the heck am I going to get uh, to Edmonton? So I am literally begging an agent to find me another outbound flight. No flights from this particular airport. I say that we're in New York, for God's sakes. There are other Center airports. Center of the universe. Help me. Help me. No, that's Toronto. Help me. <laughs> and, uh, and so she checked one airport. Still no flights. I said, there are two airports. Let's check the other one, shall we? Of course, there is another flight out of that airport. But by the time she actually books me on it, because I had to do all this begging beforehand, I've got literally just maybe, maybe enough time in rush hour traffic in New York City to get to that air, uh, other airport. Ryan, all I can tell you is that as I entered that other airport, was racing to get to the gate, I was told by more than one airport official, ma'am, calm down. And I'm like, Jesperson, Jesperson. Yes. And I made it with maybe two seconds to spare. They were closing the gate. You did it. Now, when you're someone like you, though, that has, I mean, you've made your career, and we'll talk about this, like encouraging people tonight. You're yeah. going to be, you're going to be, do you prefer the word lecture? It's a speaker No, God, series. no, it's, it's not, not. It's Yeah, it, and, and, and it's, a it's a conversation. It's a conversation. It's going to be a conversation Okay, tonight. but you're going to be guiding people yep. uh, to move from polarization to collaboration. Yeah. You can't lose your mind in an airport. People are watching. <laughs> people know who you are. No, no, no. You see... If I'm going to lose my mind, and from time to time I do, it better be at an airport because then I get it out of my system. Mm. And so on stage, I don't lose my mind. See how that works, Ryan? Do you need me to coach you? Uh, well, I mean, I feel like sometimes I hold things in, and yeah. this is why you got to find healthy outlets. Yeah. I think that the average person, actually, in all sincerity, yeah. is looking for more tools mm-hmm. uh, because I think maybe... Um, we, we make all of these sort of dramatic and very definitive statements, yeah. right? You know, yeah. Premier's going to join us next and we'll be mm-hmm. saying, people will be talking through the course of a campaign. This is the most important election in Alberta's history. Or we'll talk to experts here on the show, whether it's on social media or, or, or some other field area of study. They will say, these are the most polarized right. times in human history. Right. Uh, are we in a position to make those types of definitive statements? Is this the most polarized as human beings that we've ever been? Uh, Absolutely not. And in fact, I'll go one step further. I don't think that it is we uh, people who are polarized. It is the system in which we are immersed. Let me ask you a question, Ryan, and Mm. this is a sincere question because you're a media guy, okay? Why is it that um, during the leaders' debate, uh, Notley, Smith, 
why wasn't the Green Party given a platform? Why wasn't the Alberta Party given a platform? Hmm. Those are two other very legitimate choices. The Alberta Party, for people who don't know, is you know sort of socially liberal, fiscally conservative, so a good, healthy mix of what a lot of people believe. And the Green Party, hello, wildfires, like they have relevant stuff to say hmm. and do. Why was it a two-party showdown? Can, do you know the answer? To that? I mean, the actual boring answer, or yeah. or at least this, the, the the answer that got debate organizers off the hook yeah. was that those two parties didn't have representation in the legislature. They right. didn't have a seat, and, and you how had to have the a seat hell are they going to, to get representation if they're not presented? to the people of the province as legitimate choices. You see, this is the system that I'm talking about. When people are told over and over again, are you UCP or are you NDP? Well, then the frame is either or. And that then sets the terms and sets the tone for what people believe they're allowed to do. And that's simply not true. Mm. And so, when you say, are we in a position to make such definitive statements? No. And that's because people themselves have a lot of uh, sort of, uh, I'm going to use that D word here, diversity in how they think. You know, not everybody is monolithic. In fact, very few of us are. Not everybody believes just one thing and that leads to, you know, a, a purity test. No, we're human. Life is complicated. Our, our days are messy. And so people have really, you know, our system has to represent the fact that um, we uh, are all over the map as people. And this system doesn't do that. Mm. I'll, I'll take one quick second to shamelessly mm. pump this show's tires in front of everybody and do remind it. them that, that we did provide a platform and will continue to provide a platform for, for, for not just uh, the non-mainstream views or not just the you know unconventional views you might call them. or or in, and, and here also, people will call me to the carpet right now and say, well, where do you draw the line? How does unconventional and fringe differ? Mm. You know, people use the platform as a verb as well. Why do you, right. why do you choose do you to platform, platform this guest? Right. I got a rich note from somebody the other day that wanted to know why we're platforming the premier. I said, yeah. the premier doesn't need this platform. That's not a thing. But fair questions in some other context, mm -hmm. right? And, and mm -hmm. so we'll continue to make that commitment. We had Green Party leader of Alberta, Jordan Wilkie here on the show, and, and maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but for some people, this guy might as well have been preaching from a pulpit. I right. mean, they were all in on that. Right. You when, you, when you wrote Don't Label Me, it's mm -hmm. been a few years now, mm -hmm. uh, 20, 2019, 2019, I think it, yeah. it was out. Yeah. I, identity, power, and politics, yeah. basically, right? I mean, yeah. by the way, Chris Rock calling it genius. Yeah. Right, and that's got to feel good. <laughs> yeah, but I see. I don't know what Will think. Uh, Will Smith thinks of it. Oh, so you know, we're yeah, we're, yeah. we're still trying to work that out. A real slapper. Yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but this has been on your radar for a while. I mean, how we identify and how we communicate and and the camps, right? Yeah. The teams, yeah. right? Are you yeah. blue or red? That's Are you right. blue or orange that's or green? Right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. And the thing is that, and this goes back to my previous point. Um, you know, everybody is more than meets the eye. I can tell you what 
kind of philosophy, you know, I generally embrace. But that doesn't mean that I can legitimately be reduced to that philosophy. Because again, uh, human beings, uh, like all animals, and we are that, human animals, we are what is called sentient. And that means that we are conscious. We feel, we think, we understand, we communicate. And that means also that we grow, we evolve, then we devolve, and then from that, you know, devolving, we learn more and we grow again. So if we're going to label one another, make it just a starting point, not a finish line, hmm. because we're all so much more than even a, uh, you know, sort of a, a combination of labels. This is why I always say to people, you know, if you really care about someone and you want to get to know them, uh, don't assume about them based on what you see. Engage with them and let them surprise you. Hmm. New York's home for you right now, yeah? It is. Can I, can I ask you a very direct question? Of course. Did you study up on Alberta politics and the debate in the election <laughs> so you'd have some informed comments for this interview? Or were you actually paying attention? I was paying attention. Do you attention. actually care about the results I, of I, political... I do. Yeah. I, I do, precisely because of the work that I do and what I teach, which is something called moral courage. And so I, I need to keep on top of case studies like, uh, you know, Alberta politics or U.S. politics. And moral courage means um, you know, when if you Google it, by the way, you're going to come up with a very simplistic definition. Uh, people will say it means speaking truth to power. But wait a minute. If I'm speaking truth to power, Ryan, by pointing fingers at that power and shaking my fist at that power, am I actually going to have much of an impact on that power? No. Um, and so what I teach is the way you speak your truth to power out there means that you first have to speak truth to the power of your own primitive brain, which is located right at the back of your head. Because that primitive brain, Brian, or Ryan, is constantly scanning for threats five times a second. And because of the really amped up culture, noisy culture that we live in today, um, our brains uh, are, are amped up all the time so that even if you disagree with me, my brain will take that as a threat to my dignity, to my humanity, when all that's happening is I'm being disagreed with. Okay, here's an opportunity for a great conversation. Let's how did, do it. How did we get here? We talked we talk to, here, here, let's dive in deep into yeah. Alberta politics for a yeah. second. I don't know if the names mean anything, but uh, Thomas Lukasik is a former deputy premier for the conservatives, progressive conservatives. Brian Mason was the leader of the New Democrats for quite some time. Right. Uh, and the two of them would famously spar in the legislature and then maybe more under the radar until later, after yeah. their political careers, they were more likely to disclose. They go for beers all the time. Mm. They quite enjoyed each other's company. Uh, when there would be breaks in, in a legislative session, they would go and ask each other how their kids were doing, how their mm -hmm. families were doing. And that just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, ask any currently elected official. And you don't have to talk. I'm not talking sure, about sure, Alberta. It sure. doesn't right. have to be Canada for That's that right. matter. That's right. But, but you look at this, you know, I mean, the leader of Canada's conservatives, yeah. the federal party, like yeah. he's got no interest in collaborating with the prime minister. And, right. and his approach might, well, make him the next government leader, the next yeah. prime minister of Canada. Look yeah. what's happening with the Republican nomination right down in the United States. That's I mean, right. You know, how, how did we get here? Because it, it seems to me to have been something that's happened in just the last 10 years. Were we the frog in the pot of the slowly boiling water? I think, you know, maybe the last 15 years. And so I'll give you three key uh, sort of factors. One is that um, 
uh, we obviously social media, but more than that, um, the social media ecosystem thrives on emotion. That's how uh, you know tech giants keep us on their platforms. Okay, so um, the emotion that it brings out in us, uh, it also doesn't you know um, incentivize us to kind of listen. Number one, social media. Number two is legacy media, traditional media. Here's what's happening there. Um, because ad revenue is no longer how they make their money, uh, they're resorting to subscriptions. And subscribers, let me ask you this, when you you know pony up five, 10, $15 every month for something, whether it is you know an Amazon Prime uh, membership or a gym membership or a streaming service, you don't do it because you want to be challenged. You don't do it because you want to be told that your convictions are wrong. You pay that money every month because you want to feel good, right? And that's what media outlets know. So even though most of them won't go out of their way, Ryan, to lie to us, they will frame stories in a way that already speaks to our biases. And so that keeps us in our echo chambers. And finally, here's something you can really relate to, politics is the new religion. Mm. And everything, therefore, is politicized. But here's the crazy part. Unlike in traditional religion, which preaches grace, doesn't always practice it, but preaches it, politics as a new religion doesn't preach grace at all. There is no room for grace. There is no room for mercy. We've got to kill. As somebody said to me the, um, the other day, um, uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess this up. So I'm gonna come up with it later. But it was like a, a, a an adaptation of sort of a, a, a bastardizing of the golden rule. You know, do unto others as they would have them do unto you. Mm. Well, in this case, it's do unto others before they do unto you. Mm. How do you like them apples? Yeah, so true. Uh, we're talking to Irshad Manji. If you're just joining us, uh, maybe live streaming audio on the Mixler audio app presented by California Closets in, in just a second here, like in 90 seconds from now, I'm hoping you can give us some tangible tools like how to move from polarization to collaboration. Uh, what I'm looking for here is the scoop on your, on your <laughs> conversation tonight. We want the inside sneak scoop peek, huh? from your side, the, the sneak peek. Um, I'll let you know before we get there that you can check out the Forward Thinking Speaker Series. It goes tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, you can check out the details at epl.ca. That's the Edmonton Public Library's webpage, of course, and we'll have that in the show notes for the podcast, uh, as well as right here on our YouTube episode. These conversations happen because of amazing spots Sponsors like our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. You'd love what they do on the show. Every Monday, they sponsor something called Positive Reflections. Yeah, super cool. And so we, we, we focus on like the silver linings and stuff like that. The good news stories, the, the paying it forward, the random acts of kindness, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is keeping it real. Absolutely. It gets no media coverage. So that's why we're grateful for what Kubi does. Uh, people can check them out online right now. Why would you do that? Uh, in particular, if you are, number one, looking for a free solar quote, you're thinking of going green, you want to take advantage of some government incentives, $40,000 interest-free loan, anybody? How does that sound? Also, though, Kubi's hiring. It's their busiest time of year. So Alberta, Saskatchewan, Northwest Territories, BC, they're putting uh, electricians and uh, apprentices up on roofs of farms and, and businesses, big commercial warehouses, and of course, a ton of uh, residential projects as well. We're showing you some of these stunning installations. The cleanest installs in the West, uh, done by Kubi Renewable Energy. You can get your resume into them right now via KubiEnergy.com. 
www.californiaclosets.ca. Uh, we mentioned our friends at California Closets. You know what they do, right? They, they allow people to take their organization to the next level, increase the value of their home, but the livability of their home, too. That includes us. It was like 10 years ago we hired California Closets because I, I was the guy with like his dress shirts thrown on the floor and like his socks were in with the underwear and I couldn't find my cufflinks and it was a complete nightmare. So we had a free consultation with their team and well, they designed custom closets and storage solutions for us. I especially want to remind you what they're doing in garages right now. The garage is the workhorse of the home. So why not put it to work for you? No more stepping on rakes. No matter, ser- no more searching for that drill or the screws or the batteries. Uh, John, it's like listening to us work here in the studio. Where's the <laughs> drill? Where's the batteries? <laughs> California Closets can get your garage sorted. It all starts with a free consultation at californiaclosets.ca. And June is Pork Month at Friesen Brothers, 16 different Alberta locations. Uh, They're getting set for an announcement on number 17, but it's not my news to share quite yet. So if you're going to be grilling this weekend, if you're going to be firing up the barbecue, you're going to want to visit your local Friesen Brothers. Uh, They've got, of course, racks of ribs, pork belly, beautiful bacon uh, done by their master butchers. And then, of course, those four different types of Ivan's sausage. My personal favorite is the German sweet sausage. You can tell them that's the Jespo recommendation when you visit Friesen Brothers, Alberta grown and Alberta owned. We're hanging out with uh, author and educator Irshad Manji here in Edmonton. She'll be tonight uh, delivering uh, a challenging uh, address. Uh, What Uh I mean by that is she's going to challenge you. Conversation. Address, I thought, was no, a nice dude, middle. No, I'm not giving a speech. You don't give a speech. So, about what if the somebody need to have conversations? What if somebody puts their hand up in the first five minutes? Are you going to acknowledge they get they get to take the floor? I'm going to be in conversation with Tara McCarthy on stage. Okay, and then we're going to take a lot of audience uh, questions, comments, pushback. You name it. Have you hung out with Tara before, by the way? I haven't. Oh, she's Should amazing. I be scared? No, she's great. You sure? Yeah, very good at what she does. All right. So you're going to be telling people, you're teaching people, conversating with... Con- conversating? Con- conversating? <laughs> Conversing? Conversing. How is Alberta's public school can, system can I, these days? Well, we'll ask the premier. Yeah, I guess yeah, so. It depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, it's no laughing matter, really. Um, you know what somebody told me once? They, they asked me to stop using the word conversation on the show because mm-hmm. we always do. I don't like the word interview, really. And mm-hmm. I say, we'll have a conversation with Yershad Manji. And, yeah. and someone said that they didn't prefer that word because yeah. they perceived the root of it to be conversion. I'm trying to convert you. Oh. Uh, now, I don't know if that's actually accurate. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have like sort of a ling- background in the history of uh, linguistics or Otherwise language. known as etymology. Etymology. Yeah. See, this is why you're the big shot and there you I'm go. just the guy that asks the questions. But yeah, they said we need to get away from trying to convert people to our point of view. Well, oh, then let's use that as a starting point, shall we? You just did. This is brilliant. Thank you for that segue. Here's the deal. Brain science, neuroscience shows over and over and over again that the best way to not get someone to change their mind is to try to get them to change their mind. People know when they're being played, dude. They know. If I said to you, Ryan, let's have a conversation about that opinion you just, you know, threw out there. And my tone is kind of condescending. And I can see that, you know, um, you're ripe for the picking. You are going to pick up on my uh, my vibe. And you'll be like, in your head, you'll be like, oh, God, here we go. Here we go. Forget it. I am not giving her 
her what she wants. And so here I am, the do-gooder, whatever, you know, the, the part of the political spectrum you come from, thinking, oh, I got him. But that's exactly the problem. When you play gotcha, you lose them. You don't got them. So the question I always ask people is, are you in this to genuinely move the needle on what you care about? Or are you in it to feel morally superior about your position on it? Be honest, because your answer to yourself will determine whether you're going to actually respect the other person, engage rather than assume, um, ask them questions rather than make statements, ask sincere questions rather than judgy ones. But you know that everybody wants that moment where it's like, Oh, right, the bomb drop, yeah, like the, the clap drop. back, the mic yeah. drop moment, yeah. right? And, yeah. and, and, and when you've had a taste of that, oh, it's like addictive, when isn't somebody it? has their first tweet that gets a yeah. hundred likes yeah. or a thousand likes, yeah. that dopamine hit. Sure. Right? right. When's the last time that somebody tweeted that, hey, I took a second to smell the flowers today. <laughs> I mowed my neighbor's front lawn when I mowed mine and and got a thousand likes. Nah. But here's the thing, uh, Ryan. First of all, um, get the hell off of social media because really, what do you actually achieve on it? And I know that most people who are on it aren't there to achieve anything except like chest thumping over Mm -hmm. their own self-righteousness, right? But this is exactly the point, that if you're going to be self-righteous, don't expect the other side then, whoever that may be, to move towards you. And the, the, the really nasty tendency we human beings have is that we will lecture and preach and condemn, and then when the other side doesn't move in the way we want them to, we blame them. Mm. We say you're evil, you're ignorant, you're stupid. Well, hold on. Maybe it's the way I actually engaged with you that made you feel so dissed, so, you know, um, uh, minimized that there's no way in hell you're going to give me what I want. So really, some of it is what I'm doing, not what they're doing. And that's what we have to come to terms with. You're, you're honestly really just asking us to to grow up. <laughs> You're asking that, that us to be, be mature. That might be too big of an ask. Yeah. But, but you're right. I'm asking us to grow up, to show up, meaning enough of your agenda, put it to the side and actually listen to what the other person has to say, especially if you have an agenda, because when they can see that you are hearing them, when they can see that you're learning something from them, guess what? Their emotional defenses are going to come down, and now they're much more likely to hear where you're coming from. So you see, Ryan, here's the bottom line. This isn't about being nice, moral courage, okay? It's not about being nice. It's not even about being civil for the sake of civility. God, I hate that word, civility. I hate it. No. Why? It's too docile? It's It's too too passive? Because it's not the point. It's not the point. The point is that if you've got an opinion, about anything that you believe society isn't taken seriously and it needs to take it seriously, then the way you communicate it is going to determine how it lands. And so the point is that uh, you've got to become a more effective communicator of where you're coming from. That's the point. So it all comes back to the only thing we can control in life, Ryan, 
and that is ourselves. Hey, Manny G on our YouTube live chat says, this is a great discussion. I'm glad somebody like Earshad is calling out politics as religion for some. Uh, 80s Fanify wants you to know that you've got a new follower, uh, which is always good to hear. And I like this from Hawes. Mm. Uh, we've got a, we've got a, like an army of folks that fact check for us. They okay. mostly fact check me every All morning, right. which is, you know, it's good. It's, it's, it's like imposed humility. You there know you what go. I mean? And Hawes says the, the root of conversation is the Latin conversari, meaning to associate with it there has you go. nothing to do with conversion boom baby so there you go I, I, now i need to figure out who it was that told me that back in the day so i can costanza them and come back <laughs> and- but if you want them to grow and learn from you you've got to ask them a sincere question not judge them for the mistake that they made you can find Irshad Manji uh, online, uh, irshadmanji.com. You can follow her on Twitter. That's her handle as well. You can check out her most recent book, Don't Label Me. And of course, you can hear her speak in Alberta's capital city tonight as part of the Edmonton Public Library's Forward Thinking Speaker Series. You can get your tickets uh, right up until the point where they sell out, if they haven't already, during this interview at EPL. Ca. Thanks for scrambling through airports and <laughs> running down tarmacs or whatever you did uh, to be here on time. We sure appreciate it. Just don't call me the premier's warm up act. Do not label me that way. Not even. Okay. You, you guys are like this Just is more. Sure. This is more like a music festival where <laughs> I don't know. That's you've got right. Aerosmith and the Rolling Stones playing, you, you know, back to back or there something like that. See you in the mosh pit, my friend. Yeah, there you go. That's Irshad Manji, uh, Premier Danielle Smith, coming up in just a second, right here on the show. These conversations are presented by Real Talk sponsors like the team at Apex Automation. If you're an engineer working anywhere in Canada, Apex wants to hear from you. They're hiring. Electrical engineers, instrumentation, computer science, process, mechanical engineers, electricians, and instrument technicians as well. Uh, they're building a well-rounded team, and of course, they're staffing their, their head office in Edmonton, but all their field offices as well. This is a company that's proud to put people over profits, and that means that they reflect what their team members are looking to do when it comes to professional development. One example, they recently had some team members, important team members, looking to make a move down to Texas for family reasons. Well, what did the leadership team at Apex do? They saw an opportunity to expand their footprint, to grow their offerings. And so they've just opened a field office in Houston. Uh, Congratulations to our friends at Apex Automation for that move down to Houston, Texas. And of course, if you're looking to maybe join that team, you can get your resume in engineers, professional engineers across the country at apexautomation.ca. At Local Environmental Services, they're keeping it local in garbage and recycling. You know, some people say, well, this is only garbage. Not to them. They believe that communities deserve better, better service, better prices, more support for local causes. If you're a decision maker in Alberta or Saskatchewan, maybe it's for a municipality, maybe it's for a a small ma and pa type shop or or a big business like West Edmonton Mall, I guarantee you're going to get better service and better prices when you request a quote today at localenvironmental.ca. You know, we're so proud to have done business with the team at Complete Care Restoration. They're the ones that transformed this space in the historic Mercer Warehouse. Uh, and of course, took it from a 110-year-old building to what you see today. A really remarkable transformation that, that involves some troubleshooting, some problem solving. We had a water leak they sourced out and figured out. I mean, this may be small potatoes to them because their real wheelhouse is helping people bounce back from flood damage. I mean, Complete Care was there in Slave Lake and in Fort McMurray helping people 
get back on their feet after horrific wildfire damage too. They can do the same for you regardless of what your construction challenge, mold, asbestos. You can find them online today. We give them two thumbs up at completecarerestoration.ca. And one more shout out to our friends at Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. We know that a lot of people are going to be watching this episode from the province of Alberta, from up north, from down south. If you count dogs, cats as family members in your household, you're going to want to take two seconds to check out granddog.ca. There are so many benefits to moving your beloved four-legged family member to a raw diet. You can learn more by checking out their blog. And don't forget, they deliver right to your door. Calgary, Edmonton, Central Alberta. The promo code REALTALK takes 10% off your first-time order from granddog.ca. our dear friend Ralph Klein welcome to another miracle on the prairies my friends this was the very definition of a hard-fought election we faced the most expensive fierce and coordinated opposition in third-party political campaigns in provincial history now Many folks uh, wrote us off, even just as recently as last month. But you know what happened? Despite it all, today Albertans chose to move our province forward by re-electing a strong, stable, united, conservative majority government. Wasn't that long ago. That was Danielle Smith, the night that uh, she secured four more years. Uh, your first win as a party leader in a general election. Obviously had to feel good. A lot of the pollsters had you down and out. Where do you think the turning point was in that campaign? Well, I have to say, I mean, the, the UCP had a tough three years. We'd been polling behind the NDP for a long time. We went down as low as, I think, 30% in the polls. And so when I came in, part of, the, uh, part of what we had to do is bridge that gap, which I think we did pretty well through the leadership race. And then going into the election, it was, we, you saw the polls too. Some had us ahead, some had the NDP ahead. It, it really was... A, a very fierce uh, discussion debate and I think uh, ultimately we were able to get our message out about what it is that we wanted to do for Albertans it took a little while it didn't look great at every, every point in the campaign but I think because we focused on what I know Albertans care about jobs economy affordability making sure that we continue the momentum that we have I think that that's what people voted for uh, with a win in a general election um, a little more can I call it job security uh, how, do, how does that change how you govern I think it, it allows for us to take a little bit more time to put our agenda in place. Is I felt like we had an awful lot that we needed to do to correct some of the uh, missteps of the past as well as to bring forward a new agenda. And do, trying to do that in the, in the course of six or seven months was really hard. And getting the message out about some of the great things that we had done was very difficult too. But I think we'll have a, a bit more time to be thoughtful. We're, we'll be returning to the session in the fall. So we have some time over the summer to do our consultation, identify what the priorities are for the legislative agenda. A lot of what we ran on will be in next year's budget. So I think it, it slows the pace down a little bit and hopefully allows for people to take a breath. We've had so much divisiveness in politics over the last number of years. I think people want to be able to enjoy their summer with their friends and family, reconnect. All of our MLAs are going to be out doing the barbecue and parade and, and uh, rodeo circuit over mm -hmm. the summer. And I, I think we'll get some great feedback. So I think that'll be that'll allow us to, to make sure that we've got a good agenda for the next four years. We've got you here in studio.
studio on the eve of your cabinet presentation, Correct. and it's going to look quite a bit different. Uh, we assume you, you've lost some some depth. You've lost some cabinet experience. Uh, people are expecting this one to be a little bit more rural heavy uh, based on practicality. Um, how are you making some of the tough decisions that go into putting that roster together? You're trying to get some insight. Of course I am. Where I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to try not to, to spill the beans. I'll tell you a couple of things. I look at Alberta as a little bit different than just a rural urban split because we have many mid-sized communities that don't think of themselves as rural. Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, Grand Prairie, Fort McMurray, Red Deer, uh, Sherwood Park, um, St. Albert. Like we have a, a, some, some great representatives from I think some very large, and the mid-sized cities are gaining in prominence. They form their own structure because they've got their own lobbying agenda and their own lobbying interests. And so I have a lot of depth to, I think to choose from because with uh, the, the, the mandate that we were given, we we did get representatives from all over the province. Uh, Edmonton's a bit different because uh, the suburban communities in Edmonton and the capital region, I think, are very tied to to, uh, to Edmonton in a way that in Calgary, when Calgary grew, Calgary just absorbed the communities around it. Edmonton didn't. It developed a collaboration. And so we've got a representative from St. Albert, from Leduc Boma. We've got a representative as well from Strathcona, Sherwood Park. So you'll you'll see that there will be people who will understand every region of the province at the cabinet table. Yeah, no United Conservative MLAs in Edmonton is if I needed to tell you that. Um, you floated the idea of a, of a council of advisors. Um, you know, people started sort of calling it the council of losers, right? It's sort of the idea of like uh, UCP candidates that had run unsuccessfully that, that might be able to, to give you a sense of what might be important to Edmonton residents. What steps will you take uh, as premier to assure Edmontonians that they won't be blacklisted uh, from governance and funding decisions? Well, uh, let me just na name a few names that you'll probably hear a lot more about. Nate Glubish, for instance, my technology and innovation minister. Um, Dale Nally, my service Alberta and red tape minister. Uh, Cyril Turton is somebody who's demonstrated leadership as well. And at, Stony Plain, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like there, I think that we've got a number of people in the Edmonton capital region, and they'll play a role in helping to uh, bridge the the gap with uh, with with Edmonton ridings that we don't have representatives in. I've got great relationships with members of council. Tim Cartmel and Sarah Hamilton are on the task force that we put together for for community safety, and uh, we'll continue to build those relationships out. I've met with Mayor Sohi many times. He's not shy about telling me what his priorities mm. are. And have you really met many times? I think it took them like five months to get a meeting with no, you. No, I, I met him. I met him several times. Is that right? And we, we keep running into each other. He came down for Stampede last year. We met. Uh, when I was going through the leadership race, Casey Madu put that together. So no, I've met him many times. And so he, and I think that he'll continue to write me letters and tell me what the priorities are. So I, I and remember all of the MLAs spend several months a year in Edmonton. And so we've got an opportunity to meet with stakeholders in our, uh, uh, as we're going through the legislative session. So I feel, I feel pretty good about the feedback I'll be able to get. Uh, I want to ask you about Lacombe Pinoca MLA elect uh, Jennifer Johnson, who won handily. She won by like 10,000 votes, uh, despite her horrific comments uh, comparing trans students to feces and cookie batter. Um, you said that she won't sit in caucus, but that there is an opportunity for redemption with, quote, a lot of work. Um, what do those expectations look like? And, and what is, if you can pin it down, what does the timeline look like? All I can tell you is I've sent a letter to, to Speaker Cooper letting him know that she won't be sitting with us in our, um, in our caucus. And as you know, the legislative session begins in October, so um, she'll she'll have to do her work as an independent. Um, 
I've got some questions from audience members here. Uh, appreciate this. Chad is a uh, consulting engineer. He wonders, why have you, Premier, not gone on the record clearly stating that the Take Back Alberta group does not control your office? Uh, they make some pretty bold claims about the amount of influence that they have on the Premier's office. Well, let me go on the record. The Take Back Alberta group does not control my office. I have uh, a, an office of uh, fantastic staff members who come from a variety of perspectives that I put together after the leadership was over because I wanted to make sure that we had some continuity from the previous premier. And I wanted to make sure I had people from each of the different leadership campaigns in my office because I know every single person who put their name out there to represent this party had great ideas. And I wanted to make sure I was getting all of those great ideas. So whatever it is that certain people claim, the reality is that um, I take my marching orders from Albertans and from my MLAs who are Albertans representatives. And that's always been the case. Uh, every Alberta premier says that they'll fight for oil and gas. How that manifests itself might look different, but you've, of course, uh, continued that trend. And, and I know that, of course, oil and gas is uh, integral to Alberta's economy. Yeah. Um, some tough headlines over the past couple of weeks. Suncor cutting uh, an estimated 1,500 jobs. TC Energy's uh, cutting jobs. Imperial's been cutting at the Curl uh, facility as well uh, amid massive earnings, uh, the lowest taxes in Canada. How do announcements like this impact your perspective and your policy discussions? And, and what can you do uh, to protect energy jobs and other jobs in the province? Well, I, I look at it as you, you can always look at only the negative stories. I look at it balanced by the positive stories. It's never easy for anyone who's in a position where they're being downsized to lose their job. But I think government's job is to make sure that we create an environment for continued job attraction and continued investment. And some of the things we celebrate in the last year, it's been announced, for instance, that we have Imperial Oil doing a renewable diesel project, $720 million. Uh, we had ConocoPhillips announce a $4 billion stake in, in oil sands again. Uh, we have uh, Pembina, who has got a, uh, a consortium with the Japanese to develop an ammonia project in the industrial heartland. We continue to have a number of companies that are looking at making a final investment decision uh, around as we, as we start working on carbon capture utilization and storage and some of the credits associated with that. Um, the last time I, I had looked at the stats, we had 100,000 jobs that had gone unfilled because our economy is booming. And so I, I know it's always tough when, when businesses make decisions like that. Uh, but it does, I do look at the, the other side too, that there's an increasing investments in a number of related fields, particularly in green energy that will get to us to lower emissions. And those are the, the, two, the, the two parallels that we're, that we're pursuing right now. You've talked about a, one of your priorities, a new relationship with Ottawa. And uh, I mean, your speech on, on, on election night, you went right at the prime minister again. It obviously played really well in the room. Um, what does a new relationship look like and, and how would your tone or maybe your top priorities differ from, you know, previous conservative premiers, including Jason Kenney, how you approach it differently? Well, I talked to the premier, um, or par pardon me, I talked to the prime minister within a couple of days after winning because it, it, look, the federal government has been very helpful as we've been dealing with an historic wildfire season. I've said this before. Before, but we, we've not seen this level of fires this early in the season with this amount of he uh, hectares burned. We're at 1.2 million hectares burned. The previous high watermark for the entire forest fire season in the past was 1.3 million hectares. And our forest fire season goes till October. So this has been an unprecedented time. We've got major problems of reconstruction in Little Red River Cree, as well as Sturgeon Lake, which I visited, as well as East Prairie. And we've been fighting fires the last couple of days to make sure that Fort Chip and Allison Bay are not, uh, don't, lose, uh, don't lose homes. They've lost cabins. So the federal government is going to have to be very involved in helping us rebuild. And they've been wonderful 
wonderful in sending military resources to us. We had four companies of, um, of armed forces that have been helping us at different times. Right now we've got two companies, so 100, 200 uh, men and women who are, who are fighting fires for us, and that'll continue until mid-June. So I have to work with the federal government on things that, where we agree. And so I've been able to sign a $24 billion health care deal. We reaffirmed the $3.8 billion child care deal. We've been working constructively on, fire, on wildfire fighting. That said, I also told him that I don't appreciate his environment minister, Stephen Gibault, constantly taking hits at our province. And I understand that there's two major pieces that are going to come forward. They want to bring through an emissions cap on oil and natural gas, and they want to pursue a net zero power grid by 2035, both of which are unachievable. We, we, we cannot have a 42% emissions reduction by 2030 in oil and natural gas. Otherwise, it will lead to production shut-ins, and that will be devastating for our economy. And a net zero power grid by 2035, look, even the Saskatchewan NDP has said that that is unachievable, and it is unachievable. For the average layperson, is that just because our grid is overly reliant, or at least greatly reliant on natural gas? Is that the simple answer? It, it really is, and, and I think that's the, something the federal government needs to be aware of, is that Saskatchewan and Alberta just have a different energy mix. In Alberta, 90% of our power grid is natural gas. Almost 100% of our home heating is natural gas. And so we can't use the same lens as you do in British Columbia or Ontario or or or, or Quebec, where they get the lion's share from from either hydro or nuclear, and so I think I think there's going to be a mix of energy that we're able to put onto the grid in the future. But to expect that these kinds of decisions can be made, where you can c completely uh, engineer a brand new form of energy that is going to be able to replace the, uh, the the reliance that we have within 12 years, it's it's just not it's just not achievable. These projects take a long time to be able to conceive of, get the money together for, and if they have constantly changing rules, it creates uncertainty. So I've, I've affirmed for the Prime Minister that if we can keep a target of, uh, of carbon neutrality by 2050, we are perfectly in sync with each other. Just, just don't try to accelerate if the technology isn't there and the timeline is too fast. Otherwise, it's going to, to create big problems in our province and for the country. I understand like an elected official, like a Premier or a Prime Minister, the power of your words uh, are, are significant. Mm -hmm. And so when you make a comment about something, you know, net zero or, or energy policy or what have you it can send great ripples um, and oftentimes we talk about this show at the intersection of the environment and the economy but you do have like it's it's a real life metaphor it's a metaphor happening right in front of us mm -hmm. right with with an historic wildfire season and and then also people like me asking you about emissions caps and asking you about the road to net zero how do you reconcile both of that i mean every expert that we talk to um, indicates uh, the significant factor that climate change is playing on our susceptibility to wildfire you know and on the conditions that lead to these massive blazes earlier and earlier in the season. So how do you reconcile those two? Well, I think you're watching, as I am, the number of stories about arson. And um, I'm very concerned that there are arsonists and there have been stories as well that we're investigating and we're bringing in arson investigators from outside the province. We have almost uh, 175 fires with no known cause at the moment. Sometimes they're very easy to trace. When you have lightning storms, that's easy to trace. When you have a train derailment, that's easy to trace. Campfire. 
But to have 175 fires that we don't know the cause of, that's unusual. But the and conditions so, that allow the fires to grow as big as that, whether or not somebody starts, a human carelessness leads to the start of the fire. Um, the conditions w- under which that fire can grow in, to such a massive degree. We've had wildfire experts on the show telling us that, that arson is not a leading cause of wildfires mm-hmm. based on the science. Mm. Well, I would say that uh, we, we have to do a better job as government in making sure that we're building fire guards because I, I think that the the issue that we had faced is there's a lot of communities that we know from what happened in Slave Lake and what happened in Fort McMurray that you have to make sure that when a forest fire begins that it doesn't jump over into a, a town or a city because that's when you end up with real trouble. And so I think we did a, a fantastic job this time around making sure that we had good integration with the local firefighting units as well as with our own forest fire fighters and that interface between urban and, and forest fire. And we also um, accelerated some of that fire guard protection and we've got to do more of that i i, I look we, if i can point to the fat pack to the fact that we have had previous fire seasons early in this century where 1.3 million hectares are burned we're going to have fire forest fires it's the nature of 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 what we have in alberta and, and it's our job as government to make sure that we mitigate that we manage and that we have the resources available when they when they do erupt and i would say the same thing for flood this is a a, a province that also has uh, has had a historic flooding all the way back to the beginning of the century as well. And as a result, we've got to make sure that we're putting the, the guards in place so that we protect communities. We've got five minutes left and 25 questions. Do you think we can pull it off? There, there was there was no talk of an Alberta pension plan during the campaign. What is your plan there and, and when? Are you still convinced that that's a good idea? I would say that uh, I, the same thing I said before, we were waiting for the final report from, I think it's called LifeMark. They used to be Morneau Chappelle. They did an early report for us in 20. 2021, we felt that it uh, that conditions had changed so much that we wanted an update before we released that to the public. As soon as it becomes available, we'll run it through our caucus, we'll put it out to the public, and we'll have a, a public conversation about it. Uh, Numbers-wise, the NDP wins Calgary with 14 seats out of 26. Um, you had you know former PC cabinet ministers, Doug Griffiths, Thomas Lukasik, endo- lending their vote to the NDP, essentially endorsing that party. Um, is winning back moderate or progressive conservatives a priority for you? And if so, how will you do it? Well, you have to remember that Thomas Lukasik and Doug Griffiths both quit the caucus when Jim Prentice tried to bring the parties together. So they haven't been part of the conservative movement for a long time. And um, I'm, I'm of the view that uh, people just uh, need to, to judge us based on what we do. And I don't, I think as opposed to creating fear, I should maybe also confirm no one will pay for a family doctor. No one's going to have their pension taken away from them. Those are two messages that were constantly pounded over the last two months. Those are not going to happen. And when people see that they do not happen, they have not happened, I think that they'll be a little more uh, careful about believing everything that they see in, in ads. But I've signed a $24 billion healthcare deal with the federal government. Part of it is committing to the principles of the Canada Health Act. We, we've, we've affirmed the child care deal of $3.8 billion. That That demonstrates that when we identify problems that we need to solve, we're going to solve them. When we face the affordability crisis, we brought through a package to support people with $100 per month payments. We're extending the fuel tax reprieve because we know that that is also one of the ways that drives up inflation as well. So those are the, the things that I, th- I think as people watch what we do, I think that they'll have a lot more comfort. I, I think that there's a, a bit of a mismatch between what people think we're going to do versus what we actually do. And given 
four years, I think people will be able to judge our record next time around. Brenda wrote in, uh, she's a 57-year-old uh, breast cancer survivor. Um, she's still experiencing um, health challenges. Her GP, her family doc, gave up practice eight months ago. She's been able to unable to find a new one since, so she finds herself going to emerge, which, of course, will uh, exacerbate issues around wait times there. She says, I know going to the ER doesn't solve the problem. What immediate action will the premier take to ensure all Albertans have a general practitioner and or access to quality health care? It's been a, a, a real challenge across the country and, and, and around the world that, that doctors increasingly are not opting for family practice. We have, I think, only 10% of our docs currently going through our programs that want to go into family practice. Meanwhile, we've had nurse practitioners that, that do want to do family practice and have been asking for the opportunity to do more of that direct patient care. So I think what you'll see is a model develop, and the NDP even talked about this as well, of team practice. We signed a, an agreement with the AMA that allows for 25% of doctors within the next five years to be on an alternative payments model so that we can, can have that kind of team practice. So um, I imagine what it will look like is something like this, is that you'll have a doctor at the lead of the practice, four or five nurse practitioners, other allied health professionals, LPNs and dietitians, so that they can have longer hours, they can be open evenings and weekends, and you can see the right practitioner for for whatever it is that uh, that the problem is. And so those are the kinds of things that we need to to accelerate doing more of. And I'm looking forward to working with the doctors on on establishing those. No apology from the CBC for the coverage of the Coots border stories. Uh, this uh, an email from Aubrey who wonders: Do you still plan to sue the CBC and maybe the NDP for defamation? Where's that at? We're going to meet with the CBC in the in the coming days. Oh yeah. We'll meet with them in the coming days. And I, I, I want to reset my relationship with a lot of the media. Um, I feel like the that people want to see, look, the mainstream media and alternative media like yours are both important to me. Everybody has the ability to reach a different audience. And so I've always been very open about uh, being able to do uh, the broad range of media. And I, I hope that we can have fair, accurate and balanced coverage. That's all I've ever asked for. I mean, I came from the media, as you know, as well. Mm -hmm. And that was the mantra when I was in uh, at the Calgary Herald, my, my boss at the time, Dan Gaynor, the publisher, he said, that's our job, be fair and accurate and balanced. That's all I asked for. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be perfect. There are going to be things I do that, uh, that people will criticize. But I think it's the, it's the balance that I feel has been, a, has been missing in the last sh a short while here. And if we can reset, I'm happy to do that. Well, we We've always appreciated your availability here, Premier. And in closing, you know what people, the question that people ask me, uh, the next time you talk to Premier, the next time you talk to Danielle, more than anything else, people want to know if you're going to unblock them on Twitter. So I have a proposal. Last time we were here sitting, you said, unless you call me an F, a B, or a C, yep. I'm not going to block you. What do you think about this? A fresh start. Your account, your team unblocks everybody and start afresh, start anew, mm. unless they call you an F, B, or a C. They're unblocked. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. I'll, I'll talk with my social media team on that because I, I, I do think it's important for me to get feedback. Some of it is a little robust, sure. but I should be prepared to get robust feedback. But we also have to, look, everyone talks about the responsibility of politicians to elevate the debate. And I always felt that I have, I, especially because of the career I had before where I had to talk to a bunch of people from a bunch of different perspectives and you have to be respectful. And so I just expect people to treat me the same way I treat them. And so uh, if that's, uh, if you think that that is going to work, I will give it a try. And then we'll- Well, I try to time, come up with an idea. Next time, we'll, next time I'm on, we'll see how many I've had to reblock. Yeah, it might still be a lot. <laughs>
<laughs> might still be a lot, but I thought it's not realistic to go through one by one. No premier's got time for that. You know, no staffer's got time for that. But uh, I, we know you've got obviously a very busy day. Tomorrow's a, a big one, and we'll keep an eye on that cabinet announcement. Thanks for doing this. We you appreciate bet. Thanks, it. Ryan. Good to see you. You got it. That's Alberta Premier Danielle Smith. You can let us know what you think about this interview by sending us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. This interview was presented by our Real Talk sponsors, like the team at Eden Landscaping. You can find them online at landscapeedmonton.ca. They're bringing outdoor spaces to life in the Metro Edmonton region. Premier just talking about that donut there. Sherwood Park, uh, Strathcona County, Stony Plains, Spruce Grove, Fort Saskatchewan. Shout out to you, Mike and his team have been working in these areas on the ground in Edmonton and area for more than two decades. Everything from irrigation, drainage, planting and removal. Maybe you're looking to bring in a big tree or, or, or maybe get rid of that tree that's putting too much shade over your new planter boxes or the planter boxes you're going to get Mike and his team to build for you. Outdoor kitchens, retaining walls, water features, full project management is what comes with the deal when you're doing business with Eden Landscaping at Landscape Edmonton. We also wanted to give a big shout out to the Nate J.R. Shaw School of Business. They're doing really great things over there. If you have dreams, you know, you're sitting here right now. If we're speaking to you of maybe building the next innovative product or solving a world problem, uh, maybe you want to lead change or grow community or transform business. If this is you, then Nate's J.R. Shaw School of Business is your answer. Like You have ideas. They have experts. You have purpose. They can apply it. You have vision. They have the roadmap. Get down to business today with Nate's J.R. Shaw School of Business at nate.ca slash business. John, it feels like kind of a, a, a perfect day for a DQ blizzard treat. Or, you uh, say that every maybe, day. Maybe, well, I, it just every day. It just feels like the right <laughs> All move. All summer long. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, you know, for you, it might be the double dilly, oh. uh, the dairy-free dilly oh. bar that you love. Uh, for me right now, today, it's going to be the June blizzard treat of the month. You know, we figure that summer should be one big adventure, right? For you and your taste buds and for the new Reese's Caramel Pretzel Blizzard. A treat. This is here to take you on the taste adventure of a lifetime. A salty, <laughs> sweet thrill ride. I always thought I missed my calling on the midway. A salty, sweet thrill ride up a crunchy pretzel and peanut trail <laughs> leading to a world-famous DQ soft-serve peak. Indulgent peanut butter cup cliffs. And over a river, John, of decadent caramel bliss. Yeah, that's right. You can find June's Blizzard Treat of the Month at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. I feel like I just, I can taste it. I taste it in my mouth. Yeah, the there description. you go. description. There you go. Incredible. Uh, appreciate Premier's availability. Uh, you know, yeah. you, you get sort of 20, 25 minutes with her, and we cover as much ground as we can. And we want to thank everybody that we know that we left a lot of emails on the table. Um, Obviously, but, uh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, uh, I want to give a shout out to Walter in Edmonton, who I had your email pulled here, Walter, uh, you know, to give you credit on the Premier unblocking people. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be actually a really solid move. I think that would be a real olive branch. You know what I, I, I thought that she might do mm-hmm. is fire back at me and say, well, you unblock everybody, too. Yeah, I thought she was going to. I wasn't sure I was going to sign up for that. But you know what? I would do it if she would do it. Nothing to do with politics. Nothing to do with who Danielle is or anything like that. Just strictly speaking as a person who has blocked people, it's all about your mental health. And I would guess that being a premier is probably a very special, stressful job. But you know how it is. Sometimes you just don't want to see that stuff. And it's not about angst. It's not about revenge. It's not about, 
doing something you know the person's gonna see sometimes you just need to like look forward and put the blinders on and be like look this person who is saying this stuff no matter who you are uh they're not gonna change their mind i can tell this is just this is just mental anguish that i'm gonna see all the time so why not block but when you brought that idea up, I was like, wow, nice last to slide in here. And she said, yeah, I'll think about it. Well, so. somebody somebody uh, <laughs> tweeted at me last night. I, I don't have it in front of me and said, uh, if you don't ask the premier to unblock about me. unblocking me, <laughs> you will have failed. And I thought, well, that's a very direct comment. And so I'll make sure that I do. But you remember last time she was on, she said, unless you call and, and those were her words. I actually mm-hmm. thought it was hilarious. She said, unless you call me an F, a B or a C. Um, which maybe prompted some conversations in, mm-hmm. in family minivans. Mommy, what's a... But, uh, you know, she said, I'm not going to block you. And then, and then, you know, people kind of took that because we appreciate how many of you will check out these interviews and a lot of you reached out and said, well, I'm blocked. And I definitely... I thought it, Richard was a fellow that, that uh, tweeted at me yesterday. He said, I've been a conservative for 40 years. He said, I definitely didn't call the premier any of those names and, mm-hmm. and I'm blocked. So I want to be unblocked. So I think that would be an olive branch, mm-hmm. um, something she could pursue. Big headache for her social media team. Because when you when you unblock everybody, uh, if that's even possible with one fell swoop, you kind of open the floodgates, mm-hmm. right? Like, what criteria do you? You're not the premier of Alberta, but you're a, <laughs> you're a public figure. Um, you've had I your fair guess. share of critics. What criteria do you use to block somebody? Uh, I would use kind of the same as the premier said. Like, if you're calling me, you know, names that are pretty belligerent, and there's no reason for it. Like, I'll argue with people. Actually, not anymore. I've told you this. Like. Uh, my Twitter, since Elon took over, has gone from about, you know, it's gone down about 90%. I just retweet about the show and I like a few things I like. But it's because if you start an argument with someone, uh, you know, the landscape today is to immediately go to insults, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say, well, when people start insulting you, they've lost. Well, have they lost or have you lost? Because it's causing me more grief than them. They're online all day spewing this stuff. I, I, I'm assuming it's not hurting them. And a lot of them, you know what they are. They're little eggs. No profile picture. Terran 36852470. Uh, you know what I mean? Or they've got a flag or they've, yeah, got, they've sure. got an animal on there. Or so a rat. They're hiding behind this curtain. And I'm not saying I know, especially for, you know, women and, and uh, minorities and uh, people like that, they want to stay hidden. They want to be part of the conversation, but they don't want to give up their personal information. And I mm-hmm. totally agree with that. But when you're, you know, throwing slings and arrows and you're behind this curtain, you're not feeling any pain. I'm feeling all of it, right? Mm, yeah. I would say my criteria is the same. If you call me an F, a B, or C, you're gone. <laughs> uh, Dwayne's wondering if Ryan could interview any past premier of Alberta. Who would he interview Ooh, and why? Great it is question. A, it's a great question, and it is an easy one. To, I'm going to give a two-part answer, Dwayne. I hope that's not cheating. Uh, if I can only give one name, it would be Peter Lougheed, without a doubt, no yeah. question. Uh, unbelievable guy yeah. uh, and an unbelievable legacy. And so, second, Preston Manning, and you give him suit tips. Well, well never premier. <laughs> never premier. But, but I mean, well, I grew up around Preston Manning. Good buddies like with, big, his, with his sons. Big so, guess, you know. but, uh, but I would say, and, and I'd, I'd like another crack at interviewing ralph klein yeah um he was on his way out uh, of his political career when i was on my way up of my media career um so i had just one one-on-one interview with him and he ran the show i've got no problem admitting really that. well he was a, a former television journalist a very confident communicator mm-hmm. and i just remember at the end of it thinking that guy like if my interview was a steer he took it by the horns and just controlled the whole thing so i'd like another crack at klein 
Um, but yeah, it would be Lahid. What What does Ralph do now? We were talking well, about this yesterday. Away, but, you know, he's, he's no. Fine I mean, from like, us, but you know, we were talking about this yesterday. What do premiers do after? Oh, I they see. Retire? He went to the Woodrow Wilson Institute. I mean, like Jason Kenny's at a big law yeah. firm now. They do they, they do consulting. Um, Allison Redford's done the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, it's, and then some of them. It's not you know, just, retire. You just fade. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's it's your choice, I guess. But but if you're a young, I mean, Jason Kenny's still a young guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel Notley. It'll be interesting to see. You know, post political career and. and and, and nobody's writing off Notley's political career, but we'll wait and see uh, what her future looks like over the next couple of years. Um, yeah, I didn't mean what is he doing now. I meant to say what did he yeah, do Yeah, yeah. So, yeah he, yeah, he moved on. He, he yeah. was in, took a, a position in D.C. I mean, a lot of them, they'll, they'll get kind of plum appointments on boards and committees and, yeah. and you know, make some good dough. And, well, that's what I was thinking. For like a prime minister, I'm sure, you know, Justin Trudeau, all these people, they never work again. Well, like, their they, speaker's fees exactly. are like in the hundreds of thousands. But with right? a premier, I'm sure you could get, you know, a pretty prominent position in yeah. a law firm. Or, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I saw that some of you have, have criticized that I've not uh, asked guests leftist guests to unblock you on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, are they the premier of Alberta? I don't know. Um, you know, Mark says it's not the same thing. When the premier blocks us, we can't read her posts and all citizens have the right to know what the premier says, period. So that's, okay, that's yeah, kind of a, I get that. That's kind of an interesting point. Um, you know, Lorraine says, yeah, there's a difference between the leader of the province and being a civilian. Um, I did want to recognize something. There was there was kind of a bit of a gaffe uh, from the premier's uh, Twitter account uh, on, on the anniversary of D-Day. Right. And she had tweeted on this day, June 6th. We remember the bravery and sacrifice of Canadian and allied this. troops who landed on Normandy beaches 79 years ago, marking the beginning of the Second World War. Uh, we pay tribute to their heroic efforts on the anniversary of D-Day. I did want you to know that we did uh, reach out. There was a conversation with the premier's office and the premier's team ahead of time. Um, we don't ever supply our questions uh, in advance, uh, but I did give them the heads up. I was going to be asking about that, and, and they let us know, as I suspected. It wasn't the premier. Uh, it was a member of her team. Uh, they're not going to throw that person under the bus, but they said a staffer recognized error. their error <laughs> and uh, you know made it right. And so mm-hmm. obviously D-Day not marking the beginning of the Second World War Mm-hmm. You know, I skate on Wednesdays. I play hockey, and one of the guys tying his skates yesterday said, "When's Could the last s- time a conservative premier got war history wrong?" Right? So well, that'll be a tough one for Premier Smith. But yeah, I, w- I wonder because, like, even a tweet doesn't it have to go through some sort of you know approval process? It seems like whoever did that probably isn't working anymore. It'd be a, well, or, or you know, it would be it'd be a lot of pressure. I mean, you think if you're you know a, a team member, like you know, you see like the president of the United States, the prime minister, mm-hmm. premiers, uh, the mayor, uh, or mayors of major Canadian cities. Uh, it's oftentimes, most times, not them. It's the head of social media. Or, or yeah. one of their staffers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot that comes with that. So shouts out to those of you that asked us, to, uh, obviously, to talk about the opioid epidemic. Uh, appreciated Professor Ben Perrin uh, reaching out on that, uh, pointing out that, uh, you know, Alberta has not been uh, disclosing drug poisoning deaths uh, since January of 2023. Um, Alberta Health Service uh, data or Alberta data anyway shows an upsurge in EMS uh, paramedic responses for opioid related events in 2023. But data on deaths is being withheld. Obviously, very important subject matter. Just a couple of weeks ago, we had a three part series, three days in a row. Um, where we featured guests coming from different perspectives, including Adam Zevo from the National Post, a very controversial piece on why he describes, uh, based on his research, the Safer Supply Initiative, the federal government's initiative, as a complete failure. Uh, Professor Ben Perrin was one of those in a subsequent interview right here on Real Talk that 
took great issue with that. This is Stephen Harper's former policy guy. This is a law professor at UBC, so we appreciated that. Uh, and we did hear from uh, another law professor as well uh, out of the University of Calgary, uh, Martin Olshinsky, who had written in and, and said, you know, we know that Premier misrepresented the ethics commissioner's report. This was during the election campaign, you remember. Uh, wonders Martin now that she's safe in the premier's chair will she publicly acknowledge her wrongdoing and will MLAs get mandatory training on the structure of government and separation of powers as the ethics commissioner recommended another solid question Uh, we had a whole bunch from a whole bunch of you and of course these conversations will continue we'll continue our interviews with uh, premier smith as time unfolds and we'll look to speak to other decision makers Mm -hmm. and political representatives across the country as well coming up on tomorrow's show uh no before i do that john before we fire our extra music (laughs) i wanted to mention one more thing i should mention one more thing because a lot of you um have made comments we saw a lot of this after we announced we'd be talking to the premier uh, about her affinity for or her her admiration for that might be a loaded word but ron desantis Mm -hmm. uh daniel smith made no secret of the fact that desantis has made an impact and an influence on her uh, political career or her perspectives And, and we wanted to draw your attention because we couldn't ignore the number of people that had reached out on that subject Uh, back on June 5th. So just a few episodes ago, we talked to Lisa Smith, uh, Dr. Uh, out of the University of Dr. Lisa Young, rather, what am I talking about? But Dr. Lisa Young, a political science professor out of the University of Calgary um, on populism. And uh, Daniel Smith's name came up and Ron DeSantis's uh, name came up. And Dr. Young gets into it and, and she builds on a recent piece uh, that she contributed to Alberta Views magazine. Uh, wanted to let you know that you can check out Alberta Views online today at albertaviews.ca, including Uh, Dr. Young's cover story that's the big choice individualism or the common good and I want to encourage you if you're listening to this show or watching it you're already a supporter of independent media you're already a supporter of courageous storytelling uh, for just $20 for just twenty dollars no a brainer. year, no brainer. It's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. You can subscribe to Alberta Views delivered right to your door. Uh, you go to albertaviews.ca and you click on subscribe. Once you're there, you're looking for the promo code AVRJ. Okay, that's Alberta Views. Ryan Jesperson. AVRJ is the promo code that takes fifty percent off your one year subscription to Alberta Views, the magazine for engaged citizens. And of course, you can check out our interview with uh, Dr. Young. Uh, that was back on, well, just a few days ago, on the 5th of June, anywhere you get your podcasts or, of course, via our YouTube channel. Thanks to everybody that subscribes. Thanks to everybody that smashes that like button and tells your friends to check out the interviews that we're doing here every single weekday, live at 8.30 Mountain Time or later on demand. Coming up tomorrow, it's Friday, which means another Real Talk Roundtable. We're going to be recognizing Pride Month And one subject in particular I'm keen to get into, rainbow refugees. What are we doing for LGBTQ community members that are new to Canada? It's a story that needs to be touched on. We'll go there. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. General Manager, Katie Cook-Chivers. Account Coordinator, Lawrence Durlego. Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. 
Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.